Timeout when there's gaps in coverage. Every team needs a player that they can count on to help out. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like groceries or rent. Get help with expenses that health insurance does not cover. Visit Affleck.com to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Tuesday. Dan and the Dan, that's Dan Patrick Show. What went wrong with the Eagles? And is it fixable? Sal Palantonio will join us. He was at the game last night. As the Buccaneers roughed up the Eagles 32-9, to Baker Mayfield threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Bills hold off the Steelers. Josh Allen runs for a touchdown, throws for three, and now they await the Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be going to Detroit, and uh, according to DraftKings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting six points. Texans getting nine and a half against the Ravens. Packers getting ten against the Niners, and the Chiefs a road underdog. They're getting two and a half, but this will be the first road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Uh, Peacock, our streaming partner, they're going to bring you uh, basketball tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. It'll be uh, Indiana and Purdue. That'll be exclusively on Peacock. Poll question from hour one. We had a few of these. As we wait for Sal Palantonio to join us. Seton, what's the poll question for hour two? NFC East team that feels like it's in the worst shape. Your options were the Commanders, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. Right. You want to take a guess? But probably recency bias, and they said the Eagles. The Eagles are in third place on the poll question. What? Yep. I, you know what? The Commanders sound promising. They're in second place. They're in the second worst shape. Wait, are the Cowboys number one? Uh, no, the Cowboys are fourth. Okay, and they should be. Yeah, no, the Giants, people have at 36%. Okay. They're in the worst shape. Okay. I don't disagree with that. I think they're underratedly in terrible shape. <laughs> people are underappreciating how terrible shape they're in. Yeah, because I don't know what's going to happen with Saquon. Right. I don't know what's going to happen with Danny Dimes. What about Tommy Kotlitz? You know, my wife doesn't care anything about football, but being Italian, she goes... Who's Tommy Cutlets? I go, no, 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 we're not doing that. Who's Tom Cutlets? I said, he's going to be running a restaurant around Giant Stadium in, you know, three years. She goes, 
they call him the passing paisan. I go, hon, we're not doing this. We're not going <laughs> to be. It's already over, man. Yeah, it is. Your 15 minutes of fame for him, it's over. Uh, Sal Palantonio, kind enough to join us. Uh, he is uh, going to the Tampa airport to fly back. The ESPN national correspondent covering the NFL and a Philly legend. Sal Pal joining us on the program. Sal, thanks for joining us. What did you see in the last two months that led us to what happened last night? Well, they don't have any answers for the quarterback. That's the bottom line, Dan. I mean, we can talk about the defense, but you invested a quarter of a billion dollars in Jalen Hurts and game after game after game for the last four games, actually. Defensive coordinators have been blitzing Jalen Hurts at a rate of 45, 50, 55. Last night, 59% Todd Bowles went after Jalen Hurts, and they don't have an answer for him. And this is the number one problem with the football team. If you cannot convert on third down on the road in a wild card game, they were 0 for forever last night on third down because Todd Bowles blitzed on every single third down. That, to me, is the number one problem. And, you know, Troy Aikman said it on the broadcast yesterday, last night. They don't take advantage of the middle of the field. Now, they didn't have A.J. Brown last night, but even when they had A.J. Brown in the lineup, it was a problem. So I think that that is the number one issue. And when you don't have confidence in your ability to convert in the face of blitzing in the NFL, this is a blitzing league now. It's all about getting the quarterback and getting him out of the game. We had 68 different starting quarterbacks because quarterbacks get hurt. Even in Detroit, we saw Stafford get hurt. We saw Jared Goff get hit. This is what the league is about right now, and they don't have answers. They're not providing the answers, and that's the job of the head coach. It's his offense and his hand-picked offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. Is it fixable? It is fixable, without a doubt. It is fixable. They were okay with it prior to the extraordinary level of blitzes. So they have to get somebody in there who understands. Listen, the guy who invented getting the ball out quickly and being so good at it that he won multiple championships was Tom Brady. They understood that it's a blitzing league, so the ball's got to be hut-hut, Get it out of your hands quickly. Provide answers, option routes at the line of scrimmage for the quarterback. If you're going to go empty all of the time, if you're not going to be under center all of the time, you're not getting your back to the quarterback, uh, the defense, you're in the shotgun, you have to provide answers. And that's what Josh McDaniels did for years for Tom Brady. How safe is Nick Sirianni's job? I don't think he's very safe. Lane Johnson, the leader of the team in many, many ways, all pro right tackle, um, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame. His quote was four words, Dan. No one is safe. This kind of epic and final collapse, no one is safe. And the, it's, it's important to identify what the collapse was about. Yeah. And even Nick Sirianni alluded to it in his post-game presser. We got into a rut, and we couldn't stop the slide. Okay, so I'm not getting paid to stop the slide. You're not getting paid to stop the slide. Lane Johnson's not getting paid to do that. 
the head coach, that's, that is his number one job description. If the, if the team's going in one direction, i got to make sure I get it to go in the other direction. That's why they're paying me $5 million a year. And he couldn't do that. So I would say I agree with Lane Johnson. No one is safe. But you have to fix the offense and do it around Jalen Hurts. That's the number one thing. And you got to re-energize the locker room. I was literally one of the last reporters. I waited for every player to come out of that locker room. Dan, there was frustration, but I think looking at the players like Hassan Reddick, like Brandon Graham, and I think Graham will be back next year, still playing at a high level, Fletcher Cox, they believe they have the talent in that locker room to turn it around. Both Reddick and Graham said to me, and they said, we got to get after the quarterback, straight to the quarterback. No more fooling around. And I think that's an indication of the kind of philosophy that they want on, de- they want on defense because they see the rest of the league doing it. You don't want Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage. You want him going after the quarterback. That's what he gets paid to do. You know, they had a stretch where, you know, they beat Dallas and they beat Miami and they beat the Chiefs. And then they had the 49ers loss. I don't think they ever recovered from that loss. What was that, 42 to 19 or something? Something. Yeah. It was bad. It was a bad something. <laughs> no, it was a bad. But, you know, you, you have to go back to what Sean McDermott did. Listen, if Josh Allen and Gabe Davis hook up in the end zone in overtime, you remember the pass. Yeah. Gabe Davis went to the, went to the pylon. And Josh Allen threw it to the post, which he was supposed to do. That was Gabe Davis' miscommunication. Everybody knows you teach the wide receiver down in the red zone. When you have a zero blitz situation, you teach the wide receiver to go to the empty part of the field in the middle of the field. He didn't go there. The ball was not – they didn't connect on the pass. If they connect on that pass, then, you know, the Eagles may not even make it to the playoffs. So – they had problems even before that game when they beat Buffalo. Uh, when the Eagles take the field next year, who's the head coach? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. So here's the thing. Let's look at the dynamics of it. You know, I'm not in the speculation business. I'm in the reporting business. So here's what I can tell you. If you're going to change the offensive coordinator, which I believe they're going to do, if you're going to change the defensive coordinator, which I believe they're going to do, Okay, are you going to make those two changes? Are you going to have a head coach mm-hmm. who's in the fourth year of a five-year deal be the steward, the navigator of this rebuild? That's the question. Are you going to go forward with Nick Sirianni, or are you going to have somebody else come in completely? And there are guys out there. I mean, Belichick's still very much available. Uh, Mike Rabel. Very much available. You could do that, and you could definitely change uh, the direction psychologically. And here's the other thing, Dan, and and and, and I, I can't I can't overstate this. In Philly, the fans matter. Yeah. There's so much attention on what the fans say because the team pays attention to it. They are always focus grouping they are always polling their season ticket holders the fans you have two very big sports talk radio stations you have 
guys who are on those sports talk radio stations like Joe DeCamera, Anthony Gargano, others, you know, where the coach no longer has to support. Marcus Hayes, the great columnist of the, of the Philly Daily News. You don't have his, when you don't have that kind of support in, in the Zeke Geist, if you will, it's hard to really maintain the head coach that you have. And I think that that's the thing. And the other thing, too, is you've got to realize, yes, Jeffrey Lurie was patient with Andy Reid, 14 years. But he quickly jettisoned Chip Kelly when things went sour. He got rid of Doug Peterson two years after winning the Super Bowl when things were not going right. So he's not in a patient mood these days when it comes to head coaches. I'll leave you with this. Who had a more disappointing season, the Eagles or the Cowboys? You know, I would say the Eagles did because they started 10-1 and and they couldn't right the ship. I mean, it just kept going under. And that's, you know... I was in that locker room. It was rough. It was definitely rough. Now, I may be giving you that answer because I'm closer to the situation. If you call up Ed, call up Ed Werder and ask him the same question, he might say the Dallas Cowboys because, you know. But in both cases, here you have owners who have to make a decision about a head coach. And you have the greatest coach of all time as a free agent. And you only get one shot. You're only going to get one shot at, at Belichick, Right. Belichick, here's the thing about Belichick. In my view, from what I'm hearing from people, Dan, and this is important, Belichick wants to do this in a dignified, quick way. Win, beat the record of Don Shula in a way quickly in a place where it's dignified. So I don't know if he can get a better spot than either Dallas or Philadelphia. You have the quarterback in place. You have veteran players who know how to win. It's a quick turnaround in both those spots where he can set the record of Don Shula's all-time win record, and he can do it quickly. And um, I, I think it's, those are per, two, two spots where he could definitely go and, and accomplish the goals that he wants to accomplish. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for the information. Safe travels back home. DP, you're the best. Sal Palantonio, ESPN National Correspondent. And you know what? He said a very wise thing. He's not in the speculating business. He's in the reporting business. And I've always respected that with Sal. Because we do a lot of speculating, hypothetically. Rumors, I'm hearing. Sources close to, okay. I'm fine with that. And what he was talking about with Bill Belichick is interesting. Go in. It's a team that's ready to win. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you can do it. Like That's where Atlanta, Atlanta's... I thought they were a sleeping giant. I found out they were just sleeping. You know, eight and nine, eight and nine, eight and nine. You got to find your quarterback. Philadelphia, you got your quarterback. Dallas, you have your quarterback. Bill doesn't want to deal with those things. Bill would come in and be a fixer. He'd be like, all right, this is what we need to do. We're going to shore this up. We need to do this. We need to do that. Not go get somebody because Bill doesn't do well with that. If you have the personnel in place, that's where I see Belichick coming in. And Dallas and Philly, if Philly's open and if Dallas is open, then all of a sudden it's just you got the greatest coach in history coming in to troubleshoot. It's a tune-up, not an overhaul. Don't need a new engine, just spark plugs. We'll take a break. Hall of Famer Steve Young will join us, get his thoughts on everything that's transpired so far. Where would he place Bill Belichick? We'll take a break back after this, Dan Patrick Show. 
Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Get to phone calls coming up. Reggie Bush will join us in an hour from now. Hall of Famer Steve Young joining us, the former ESPN NFL analyst and former Super Bowl MVP. I thought of you the other day. Well, I think of you a lot of days, but I thought of I thought of you watching Puka Nakua. And the reason yeah. I thought of you is because you played with Jerry Rice, and Jerry Rice had football speed. 
it you know it didn't translate to a forty yard dash, but Jerry didn't get caught. Puka Nakua doesn't have you know four or five speed or whatever, but he has football speed. Can you tell me like what is the difference between a guy who just runs forty in a four four or a guy who runs four six but still he doesn't get caught? Yeah, there's a lot of guys that put a helmet on and it messes up their like their athleticism. Like they put the shoulder pads, the helmet, they got to put cleats on, they run around and it's like, they're not the athlete that they showed up, you know, in shorts. And, uh, most of the time the uniform creates a little bit of havoc, um, and slows you down a little bit. And some guys speed up or at least handle the, the weight and the, and the restrictions and they actually get fat. Jerry was that way. And I think Puka, you're just, you, you've hit it, something that I think is really cool because Puka is somebody that you do not want to cover because he he's strong his hand like he get he he's gonna make you miss and he's gonna run by you and you wonder why how and uh, it's called football speed and people always talk about well what is that you know and I always talk about the force you know the Star Wars force like something you can't really explain but it's a it's a talent that when you put the uniform on you actually get faster and Jerry was that way yeah I agree and I I just feel that way with Puka Nakua all right let me start with the games last night. Uh, what do you see when you see Josh Allen now as opposed to, let's say, two years ago, three years ago? Well, I see a guy that I wish had a little bit more help. Um, I see a guy that has to play Superman every week. Uh, and it's amazing that he's able to put the cape on over and over and over again. Uh, it's the nature of the game today, though. Uh, we've talked about it. You and I have talked about it many times. The game's changed because the rule changes and defenses can't launch anymore. There's more space. The game's more wide open. And so the game is now for a guy like Josh Allen. He is the prototype. Somebody who has a big arm, can run around, can run for 52-yard touchdown and change the game in the biggest games of the year. So I, I wish that he could be uh, somebody that had a little bit more help so he could just play quarterback and then put the cape on more you know, periodically. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that's going to win Super Bowls. Super Bowls are going to be won by guys like that. But I think he does have help, Steve. I think he has two good tight ends. I he's agree. I, look, Dan, I, I'm with you. There's, It's not like he's helpless. I just wish there's a little more running game, a little more ability to just come out of the huddle, run the play, you know, get the get the yards. And maybe that's about, the, maybe that's about Josh a little bit. Maybe it's about him just saying, look, I'm going to – I'm going to be more regular, more of a manager. Just get the ball out of my hands, make the gains, you know, let the let the offense run and be efficient, and then I'll make him even more explosive. So I, I look, I, I, I hear you, and I probably shouldn't have said it as dramatically, but I just, I think maybe it's tactics, and I, I would love him to be able to run the football a little bit more. Who had a more disappointing season, the Cowboys or the Eagles? <laughs> Uh, I you know it's 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 painful to think of both uh, to watch the ten and one Eagles just go completely disappear and it was weird even last night I watched the, I was, before the game I'm like the Eagles will they'll respond and I've said this week after week and it's like they're going to respond they'll they have to respond and they come up last night and just there's nothing to respond with and you are because what's wrong and uh, and so that's that's uh, unnerving if I were an Eagles fan but the thing that but they're not, they're not the winner. The Cowboys are the winner or the loser, I guess, is that they continue to underperform at the key moments to their talent and have done it for 20 years. And 
you you uh, uh, you know it never ends they never live up to or extend or expand on the talent they have they always have a talented team but they never live to it and last week was just had to be the most painful thing that jerry jones has seen in 20 years okay but this is systemic and the one constant has been jerry jones Dan, come on. I mean, there's a couple of fundamentals. You talk systemic. It's fundamental rootedness of what's wrong with the Cowboys, and that is that Jerry Jones runs the team, but he's not the coach. And I always said if he's going to run the team, you got to be the coach. But he doesn't hire somebody who is empowered by Jerry to be independent so that when you walk in the locker room and you want to talk to the players, you want to yell at the players. And you yell at the players, and the players go, well, I don't really care what you say because I only listen to Jerry. And that's the problem is that the head coach for 20 years has not been empowered. And he's got to hire somebody who is clearly empowered. I mean, they talk about Bill Belichick right now. It's fun to talk about. I don't know if there's any chance of it. But a guy like that, that would be somebody who now has the power in the locker room and can get the players to play and to be and live and live up to the expectations and to their talent. Now the other piece of it though is because it's America's team everyone talks about it that somehow you're already you're a cowboy you're already famous. And because of that they don't have they haven't earned it. I I think what they should do is like you don't get the star there's two stars on your helmet. You get one star when you win 10 games and you get another star when you win a playoff game. And that's how you earn the chance to be a cowboy because otherwise you put the helmet on and everyone thinks they're famous and they get punched in the mouth and like wait we're, we're, already, we're great. What are you talking about? We're, we're the Cowboys. And you see that over and over and over again. So those are the two rooted pieces that need to change or else the Cowboys continue. And people can argue with me, oh, Steve, that's not true. Well, 20 years of it, 30 years of it, you have to start saying there's something systemic about it. And you've got to empower a coach and you've got to take the stars off the helmet until they get earned. Yeah, I think it's a great point because there's a sense of entitlement. And and you're right. You're, 100%. Yeah, you're a cowboy. So you're actually saying you start the season with no stars on your helmet either side? 100%. Because it says it's just where they that's – that's the situation. It's not – not there's no blame. It's just the truth. And so that you have to go – they have to go earn that ability to be a cowboy – because otherwise it gets given too easily without having their, you know, they're, they're, it, it just, they think that they just show up and everyone goes, oh, they're the Cowboys. Like, you know, the problem is that the rest of the league doesn't care anymore. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter. I want you to place Bill Belichick. Where would you put him? Oh, it's a tough one because he's just, uh, he, uh, he, and you wonder if he needs the support of all, you know, some co like can he bring a bunch of people with him, and then how long is he going to be there? Because um, you want it. Today's game, today's game's different. You look at the most innovative minds of the game today, and you're looking at uh, Miami, you're looking at Kansas City, you're looking at San Francisco, L.A., uh, the Vikings, the the, the the Packers. Like the innovative minds are really the guys that are moving around, taking advantage of the space. And so Bill Belichick is an amazing coach, but in today's game, he's going to have to find that offensive coordinator, which he hasn't had for a number of years, who can be that innovative mind. Because that's who's winning. That that's how you win champs. Used to be, I'll make a ferocious defense and I'll carry a team to the Super Bowl. You can't do that anymore. It's an it's an offensive game. It's a wide open, innovative game, and it's also run by that guy. There's maybe eight today, 
And if Jordan Love is now one of them out of nowhere, or C.J. Stroud is amazing, if those guys kind of are emer obviously emerging, then you've got eight to ten guys in the league that can go win a championship. You got twenty teams that literally are watching Dan. They're, they have no chance. They're just showing up, playing six, seventeen games, and then waving goodbye. And so there's eight to ten teams that have a shot. And uh, if you know if you're going to place Bill Belichick. You have to place him in one of those teams with one of those guys with an offensive creator who's innovative. And so it really, to me, that's more important than the actual geography. Would you replace him in Dallas? Would you put him in there for Mike McCarthy? Well, for look, you and I would both agree that systemically that would be a positive, right? That nobody would wonder if Jerry Jones or Bill Belichick's in control. And I think that's important. Whoever that is needs to be able to walk in the locker room and leave Jerry behind. And I think Jerry should empower that and, and embrace that. But and does Jerry know that he's part of the problem, Steve? That's that's part of the problem because you have to read the room. But Dan, I've been telling – look, he obviously doesn't listen to me because I've been saying it for 20 years. So, it, like <laughs> – Yeah, but you don't tell I mean, him this when you see him in person when you're in yeah, – I, I have I have intimated some of this to him when I see him. Like okay, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm Jerry Jones, and I say, hey, Steve, how are hey, how you? How you doing? How you doing? Jerry, you've got to get a bridge that's empowered, that walks in the locker room and not afraid. You know, and he's like, yeah. That's not intimating. That's telling him. <laughs> I, I've mentioned it, okay? I've mentioned it a number of times. <laughs> uh, Hall of Famer Steve Young joining us on the program. How did the Niners not make it to the Super Bowl? Uh, you saw them get beat. Um, by the Ravens uh, and and uh, the, a bully defense, the Cleveland Browns did that. Um, and they also saw them get beat by the Bengals with Joe Burrow just throwing it all over the field. Um, and there's those are the two things, you know, you have, and who's got a defense that's got that bully defense in the NFC today? I know that they're going to probably see the Lions and the Packers. I don't know that either on the road it, it can, can do that. Who can throw it around? Can Jordan Love? repeat this can he be the new patrick mahomes josh allen uh lamar jackson you know can he be that guy because if he can he can throw it all over the field there is some weakness in the secondary that shows up and you know they can get beat uh and it's been proven that way i don't think either defense in the nfc can can be the, the bullies that, that could slow them down uh, you, you got to be honest it's pretty unlikely that the 49ers get beat who do you think is the best quarterback of all time? <laughs> like, yeah, I sit in the bar stool and you know, I'm going to get in a fight over this stupid stuff. <laughs> Look, Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. Joe had four. I mean, you, you just when he had his seventh Super Bowl, you're like, no one's going to ever. And no one says there's going to be another person that wins seven Super Bowls. I, I, I you, know, you never say never, but I say never. No one will ever win seven Super Bowls. And so, to me. It, we tend to just say that if you whoever has the most Super Bowls is the greatest of all time, and that's fine. You can have all kinds of arguments about it and and scream and yell, but until somebody wins another six or seven Super Bowls, you know, uh, Tom Brady. I mean, it just has to be that way. Okay, but do you truly believe that that should be the bottom line if you're going to find well, it because never, it never is? But Steve, is. we don't it's, hold other positional players to that. Yeah, it's contextual, of course, but that's Dan. You, Oh, now you're going to be. I'm. I'm. I'm upset that that's the the parameters that we're going to make the judgment on. So I want to change the the way that that's done. Well, good luck. You're going to be run over. Like, okay, let's think about. Let's look at um, 
contextually around the players that uh, ha- you know had more uh, um, uh, comebacks. Fourth quarter comebacks, but then wait, wait, if you have a lot of fourth quarter comebacks, what are you doing behind? <laughs> well, who had the most, uh, you know, like it just, uh, uh, it, you'll run out of space. I think in the end, uh, football's a team game. So quarterback's the ultimate player on the team game. And so the ultimate thing to do is to go to the Super Bowl on the team game and the quarterback who does it the most. I mean, I, I, I think that's probably why it wins, Dan, because it's the one that there's a lot of other ways to cut it, but in the end, you know, championships have a championships have a way of like calming the water. Will somebody be recognized as a better receiver than Jerry Rice in our lifetime? No, I think he just relentlessly, um, it just you you can't match the numbers. People have tried, uh, even in today's. What's crazy is the games changed so much. It's so much more. A wide open, you're seeing efficiency records in the 118s, 120s. You're seeing uh, yardage, touchdowns. You know, um, if you look at error adjusted, you know, you think that Jerry Rice would easily be covered by now, right? Come on. I mean, 20, 30 years later, you're still looking up like pretty, pretty dramatically at Jerry Rice. Then you ask yourself, how. Uh, because even if you're going to be error-adjusted and still be dominant, and even un-error-adjusted still be dominant, you're going to dominate for a long time. When you watch the game now with your kids, like do you, do you ever go, how did I play that game? Like, how did I survive? I've done that when I, you know, on Monday nights when we're on the sideline, and uh, you know, some teams are particularly kind of bully-looking, and you and you and you, I watch the first quarter a lot from the sidelines. <laughs> And I'll be with a buddy or something. He's like, oh, "You, you freaking played this." <laughs> the, the fans, he calls Dude, it this. I played this. I played this. <laughs> it wasn't just patty cake, man. This is this is a whole. This is he goes. You're kidding me. Like <laughs> you got freaking rocked, man. You know you're not gonna. So yeah, I do. I it, time goes on and you think about the game, but I still. I the problem with me, Dan, is I see the game today and I see the players that are thriving in this game today the guys they're my guys guys that played like i played and and you see how they treat the quarterback and you see all the open spaces in the in the flats are never open the middle of the field is unpatrolled and you're like please let me play again please <laughs> let me play in this time and i and i really mean that like i would love so desperately to play today it'll be so much fun i mean i never thought football is necessarily fun I thought it rewarding and challenging and like engaging, but I never thought of it as like fun. And I, for whatever reason, today's game to me is like, oh, so much fun. I just want to play. Who's the former teammate of yours who should be a Hall of Famer? Uh, well, there's two. There's probably Roger Craig and, and and Brent Jones. Okay. And and I think you'd argue for Harris Barton. Like, all we talk about twenty years of. You know, dominance. Uh, what eighteen playoff appearances in a row, or nineteen playoff appearances in a row? Five t- five Super Bowls and what twelve championship games, thirteen championship games. I mean, it was it was it was patriot like. And so, you, and the guys that led that and did that, you're you're forgetting a couple or three. Um, inevitably, that happens. But that's that's how I would line it up. Do you have anything cool in your office? Is that your actual office <laughs> where you are? <laughs> look, I look. I my, when I got married, my wife says, "Hey, look, there's only one quarterback." On the in the family, that's me. Like, oh, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? 
Is but, she ring? Steve, is, the other quarterback bought the house. Is she my ring? I got my rings here. I got my, <laughs> so, I, I, I've lived uh, for no, uh, for a few decades. Uh, Rat recognizing at a home. This is not my home. This is my wife's office. I have a little corner <laughs> that I'm using. Before, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm before the uh, office hours. And so I get to sit here for a while. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> I, I can tell you one thing. Offensive line sucks. I can tell you that. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I'm playing now. And... Uh, <laughs> Great to talk to you. Uh, thank yeah, you. Thanks for sharing, Steve. You're the best. That's uh, Steve Young, Hall of Famer. Man, that's tough. There's one quarterback, and it ain't Steve. Honey, get out of my office. All right? I told you you got 15 minutes in there. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. And if- With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Well, Super Bowl odds. DraftKings has the Niners, the big favorites, followed by the Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, and then the Lions. And then the long odds are the Buccaneers, 
the Packers, and the Texans. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. He's Reggie Bush, just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame during the uh, National Football Foundation dinner in Las Vegas last month. And uh, Reggie joining us on the program. Before we get to Reggie, let's play the Reggie Bush game, the favorite NFL team he had when he was growing up. Todd, I'll start with you. I'm going to say the Raiders. Okay. Seton. Man, Raiders is a good guess. I know, I agree. Uh, I'm going to say the Raiders. All right, Marvin? I'm going to say the Chargers. Okay. All right, local team. All right, Paulie? It's got to be the Chargers. I'm going to go Raiders. Let's bring in Reggie Bush to play the Reggie Bush game. Your favorite team growing up was? Uh, It was the Chargers, man. San Diego Chargers. Okay. (laughs) Who was your favorite running back growing up? Barry Sanders. Um, he was a guy that I wanted to emulate my game after. He's a guy that I fell in love with. Um, he is a guy that really, like, I felt like introduced me to the game of football. He was the first person that really just captivated me when I watched him on the screen. But is that something you can learn, the way Barry ran? Um, yeah, it is. I, I think if, um, you know, obviously it takes a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, but, you know, the way that Barry moved, to me, it was just, it was pure artwork, you know, and it was, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, you know, built in instincts as well into it. And, and a lot of that plays into your vision. And so, you know, I think there are different drills and things that you can work on with, with young kids as far as working on their vision, how to use your peripheral vision, how to see things, how to set things up. Um, and then you have to work on the quick feet as well. Um, and so I think there is, you know, there, you can get to, you know, the level of, of what, you know, Barry Sanders um, was. It's obviously going to take a lot of hard work, dedication, and there's only one true Barry. But, yeah, you can definitely get there. What was it like when you met him? Oh, man, it was it was full circle moment for me. Um, you know, he's such a humble guy. And I think I, I remember meeting him uh, my – I wasn't even drafted yet. I was actually – about to get drafted and I was in Detroit. You remember when the Super Bowl was in Detroit? Um and I was out there for the Super Bowl, so and that's when I met Barry Sanders for the first time and I was just I was overwhelmed. It was a full circle moment. I couldn't believe I was meeting my idol, the guy that I just always wanted to pattern my game after. And he was so humble, you know, and a lot of times people talk about when you meet your heroes, you know, they don't they don't always live up to that. Barry Barry lived up to it. How big of celebrities were you guys at USC in in that moment? Um, I would say we were very big. Um, when you look at the, we can talk about just the sidelines alone, right? Every celebrity, you know, would come out to our games. Um, Snoop Dogg was always there. Will Ferrell was there. Shaq was there sometimes. Um, you know, and, and it was awesome, man. We were on that football field in that stadium, you know, we felt like gladiators and, you know, that was the arena, um, that, you know, we love to compete in, and every game was sold out, you know, 95, 96,000 people. What's the most surreal moment you had when you played there? Um, I had a lot of them. <laughs> I had a lot of them. It's hard to, to choose one because there were a lot of games that I look back on um, that I just I, – I, I can't believe it happened. You know, I think one that sticks out is the, is the Notre Dame game we played in Notre Dame. Um, you know, winning that game in the last second, you know, what is being dubbed as the Bush push. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was awesome to go through that experience, you know, with my brothers, with my teammates, uh, with the coaches, 
um, you know, playing for the fans. Um, and then also at home, you know, I think uh, some of my memorable games were playing against uh, UCLA um, because that was always our last game of the season. There's always a crosstown rivalry, and we always wanted to make sure that we saved a little bit up just for UCLA so that we always have bragging rights that we owned LA, you know? So, so many, so many uh, memories, you know, when I think about my time at USC and, and uh, I'm just so appreciative that I stopped through there. Why well, didn't know if the NFL was a letdown after playing at USC? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, when I got to, when I got but to fame wise, Orleans, fame wise, you were more famous in college than you were in the NFL. Well, I, I'll say this: When I got to New Orleans, um, there was a, there was an explosion, you know, of of just the fan base welcoming welcoming me with open arms. Because you got to also remember, this is six months after five months after Hurricane Katrina, and so me coming to the city of New Orleans was a very big deal because one, the team hadn't been good in years, mm. and if you remember, they were called the Aints. You know, people will refer to them as the Aints and. And fans would show up to the games with paper bags over their over their heads, and and the team, you know, I believe they had lost every game the year before. Um, so, you know, me coming to New Orleans was a very big deal, and it was one of my favorite moments. You talk about a surreal moment. That was a surreal moment. Me going to New Orleans uh, because I was supposed to be the number one draft pick. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mario Williams. Mario Williams ended up being the number one draft pick. I actually found out the same way everybody else found out. Um, Wait, I found what, out on Sports Center. Was it because he was signable? Like that was it, the report at the time. No, you want to know the truth? Yeah, the truth is with Charlie Casserly, and you know he he hasn't talked about it. You know we've actually had an opportunity to discuss it uh, when I was working for NFL Network because one of the executives found out the truth. And I hadn't even known the truth yet uh, about why I didn't go to Houston. And apparently it was because they hired a private investigator to investigate me during the Heisman Trophy um, debacle that was happening at that time. And the investigator came back and said that I was a bad guy, had bad character, I was a street kid, and um, Mm. that they shouldn't sign me, they shouldn't draft me. And so this is a story I'm getting from one of the executives at NFL Network. Um, And so... You know, they wanted to do this one-on-one with me and Charlie Cassidy and just kind of talk about it. And at first, Cassidy said, yeah, and then he ended up backing out because, you know, I think he understood it probably, you know, wasn't going to look great for him. So, you know. So Charlie was the uh, longtime GM of the then Washington Redskins. Then he became a GM of the uh, Texans. So they they had the the chance to take you, number one. We're talking to Reggie Bush. How will you sum up your college career talking to your kids? Awesome. Amazing. One of my favorite stops. Um, college is the place where I learned so much about myself. I became a man. Um, I had to overcome things. I had to compete. I had to, you know, compete for the, for the, you know, for the role that I ended up, you know, um, immersing myself in as, you know, starting running back and punt returner and catching the ball out of the backfield and all those different things. And so I had to work to get there. And um, I was also surrounded by, amazing talent i was also surrounded by great coaching and you know that's one of the things that also helped elevate my game as well is every time we stepped on that practice field um it, it we felt like it was you know it was the competition level was always at its highest it was a it was almost it was just straight competition you know what i'm saying and and 
from the time that the whistle was blown, we always started practice with nine on seven. I hated nine on seven because it was like the defense is, you're not throwing the football nine on seven, um, you know, practice period. It's just a run. It's just a run period. It's the run. You're literally only running the ball and the defense knows you can't throw it, you know? And, then, <laughs> and so every linebacker is sprinting full speed downhill. As soon as a ball is hiked in, it's like running into a brick wall, but that's what we did to get our practices started during the week, you know, as we prepared for Notre Dame, as we prepared for UCLA. And as much as we hated it, it also made us stronger. And it also helped us to develop the chemistry and the bond that we needed so that we can go and win some of these tough games. Reggie inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame during the National Football Foundation dinner in Las Vegas last month. I agree with your point about Nick Saban, if you'll paraphrase yeah. that for the audience, that uh, the reason why you think, or at least one of the reasons why Nick Saban is stepping down is because? It's because of NIL. Um, and if anybody's been paying attention and if they've been listening to Nick Saban's, um, you know, speeches or interviews that he's been doing at some of these different conferences, and I don't know where he's at when he's, you know, speaking um, to, you know, some of these people, but. Um, there was a point to where he was complaining about other universities paying players. He was complaining about Jimbo Fisher um, paying players. He complained about Deion Sanders supposedly paying, you know, five-star players. And it, it was, you know, I, I honestly felt like at one point I didn't understand it because on one side you're looking at this is supposed to be one of the greatest coaches ever in the history of college football, and here he is complaining after he just won – five, six national championships, you know? So I never, I didn't understand that mindset of what are you complaining about? You're at the top. You are the pinnacle. People want to be you. And yet here you are complaining because the playing field is now starting to level itself out. And that's what people have to understand with NIL. That's what's happening. There's a movement that's happening. And the movement is the power is going back into the hands of the players. And that's something that has never existed in college football or collegiate sports because it's been built off of amateurism, right? And we know that it's not true. It's not truly amateurism because there's big money. This is big money business when we talk about college football and when we talk about college basketball. It's big money. It's a big business. Is Deion Sanders, what he's doing at Colorado, sustainable? Um, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what part of is it sustainable? Because right now, winning, you know, five, six games a year, I think is sustainable. Um, you know, I think if you're talking about winning a national championship, that's a much tougher um, subject and question because um, they just got to start getting better recruits. They got to start getting five-star players. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You know, you can find, you know, here and there sometimes – some three-star guys, maybe a two-star guy here and there, and, and turn them into a four-star, you know, player. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, to be able to win and to stay on the top, you need to be able to get those five-star recruits. you got to be able to get those five-star players. And so he has that position. He has the most important question answer, which is my, the quarterback position right now with his son. Um, after that, you know, he's got, he's got to go find some guys, you know, after his son leaves. Cause I think after this year, his son's probably going to be gone. Um, but he's got to start getting better, you know, better players. And, and that's, you know, that's where it's tough because at the end of the day, now you look at the Pac-12 is gone. Um, 
I apologize. I don't even know what's where's Colorado going now. What conference are they going to? They're uh, in the Big Twelve. They're going into the Big Twelve. So, um, isn't that crazy that you know, we have no idea where? <laughs> like Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. Yeah, I know where they're going. <laughs> and you called it the Pac-10 or the Pac-12, and now it's the Pac-12. Pac-2. And like this is crazy. <laughs> Great, you it's know, crazy. It, disappointing. It really is that the grown-ups have allowed this to happen. Well, you know, it's again. This goes back to um, the structure of college football and and how it operates, and the narrative that um, the NCAA has been able to, been able to create with the amateurism um, word and being able to really deceive i think people into believing that it truly is amateurism because it's truly not amateurism um again like i said it's big money business um and the players are the workhorses and and for so long the players did not have power um up until most recently until the ncaa was forced uh by the supreme court um with the ruling of nine nothing to allow players to monetize off of the thing that they owned from the time that they were born, which is their name, image, and likeness. Uh, you filed a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA. Was that in August? Yeah. Explain, explain yeah. to me what you're hoping to get out of that. Um, listen, the NCAA made a statement about me. Um, that was a lie. They said I was paid to play, um, and that was never part of the original investigation, um, alleging that I was paid to play. And so if it's a lie then it's a lie. Um, and for so long, the NCAA has been able to get away with the narrative that I was paid to play. That's, that's why it's it's ironic that the narrative that I was paid to play was first circulated and started by the very people who released a statement about me um, officially, you know, stating that I was paid to play. And so that's what the, the lawsuit is over. That's what a defamation of a lawsuit um, ultimately is about, is about when, you know, some person, someone says something about you that's not true, um, especially if it's public, um, especially if it's released, you know, to, you know, numerous media outlets, you know, that pick up on it. And it's also, you know, listed as a reason as why I'm not being reinstated or a reason as why, you know, I'm not getting my Heisman Trophy back. And that's a lie. But what um, if again, they, like I said, what if they said, drop your lawsuit, we'll restore your collegiate records as a settlement? It's too late. It's too, we, we passed, we way past that. Okay. We pass the, but if they um, restore your records, then you get the Heisman. They're going to have to do that anyway. That's going to happen anyway. All, all that's going to happen anyway, because uh, again, if, I don't know if you heard what I said, a lie is a lie. Right. And so if it's a lie, then it's going to be exposed. Right. We'll find out in this lawsuit. You know what I'm saying? We'll find out who's really telling the truth. And that's what's the most amazing part about it is we've never y'all, we've never been able to do this for so long. I've never been I haven't been able to do this, which is, you know, file this lawsuit against the NCAA until they made that statement. You know, and so that's uh, again, that's that's what you guys are seeing now for the first time. You're seeing my story, my case being tried in an, an official way, you know, in the court of law, which is something that the NCAA has never had to do. They never had to prove their case in the court of law. Great to talk to you. Congratulations going into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Good luck with the lawsuit. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you. Appreciate you, Dan. That's Reggie Bush joining us on the program. He uh, won the Heisman in 2005. Well, it's interesting with the defamation lawsuit. And that's, as he said, we're past that, where, hey, drop the lawsuit, we'll restore your records, and then the Heisman will then recognize you, and then they will give you your Heisman. At least that's what we've been told. Yeah, Paul. Right. The Heisman Trophy Trust that took away Reggie Bush's Heisman and the, the honor and the award they took away, you know, they did that because they chose to follow suit with the NCAA's eligibility rules. It's very much like the Pete Rose situation. The, the Heisman has a separate set of rules. Just they, like the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame does. Correct. They don't have to abide by baseball, but they normally do. Correct. That, the Heisman Trust chose to do it with Reggie Bush. And if he was, if somehow his, his records were restored, they would be almost obligated to give him back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.